fear and loathing, and Uncle Buck. Welcome to the party, pal! So, Josh, you saw a couple of new flicks this week. Uh, let's let's uh, pick up on that, man. Let me get your uh, fear, loathing, and Uncle Buck take on The Flash. So, I watched a lot of reviews roasting this movie. Um, I, I do have a couple questions. One, for the DC Universe, pre-James Gunn. So, I don't know what post-James Gunn is. I don't get their CG budget. I don't get what they use for it. I don't get it. Their CG looks like the Matrix Revolutions only like two years before that. Like, I don't understand. It's not great. It's not the worst. It is what it is. You just have to. I didn't hate the film. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to talk about without giving major spoilers, but. I don't care about spoilers. Look, I'm sorry, folks listening. If you don't want to hear spoilers on the flash tune out right now, but let's, let's delve into this someday. True. Okay. I've read enough online that I kind of know a little bit about how it plays out. Um, so spoiler away, Josh, go right ahead. <laughs> you know, Trader Joe's fruit bought on a Friday. It's done by Sunday. Let's get into the spoilers. So, uh, I do, I, I do like Ezra Miller as the flash. I think they did a good job. I believe they use they, them pronouns. Um, it made me kind of disappointed that they are going through whatever they're going through because I thought they did a really good job. And it, to me, at least like, I was like, Oh man, this person's got some talent, you know, in some ways, but obviously so whatever. Um, Michael Keaton was a whole lot more a part of it than I expected. So if you haven't seen Tim Burton's Batman, like the nostalgia is going to be completely lost on you. I think we're on like the 20th or 30th anniversary of that film being released. If I'm yeah, dude, mistaken. you get the old Batmobile, you get the old Batwing, you get, he even like, you want to get nuts. Let's get nuts. Like makes that like I'm Batman. Like, Oh, there's it's Michael Keaton is full blown Michael Keaton. And it. It, it was, that was cool. The Flash can go through time, Flashpoint, and he tries to save his mom. It was hard for me not to make like 10 time cop jokes. Jokes. Time cop will live on forever in every single time travel movie ever. Uh, I, I It was out of a 10, I'd give it like a 7. I was highly entertained. Mm. It was nostalgic. They tried to throw in a bunch of Easter eggs. I love the concept. Do you know the concept of the movie, Ty? We, uh, well, I mean, the basic premise I know, which is that he can go back in time because he can run really fast. He's trying to save, he's trying to change history so his mom doesn't die. And then that kind of sets off an alternate timeline. And then his younger version of himself then starts like doing the same thing. And then that sets off a bunch of timelines. And then like Zod shows up and like all this kind of craziness. The, the simplest version is he goes back in time to try to save his mom's life, do something simple. Well, and in that, um, he gets knocked out of the time warp thing. That's fine. But he creates an alternate reality where Superman never made it to Earth. And General Zod comes to take over. And he needs to somehow stop Zod. And then it opens up Supergirl. Which I actually like Supergirl and who they had in it. It was fine. It was Look, it is typical pre... I'm going to say pre-James Gunn because I'm going to be very curious what he does. Um, there was nothing more DC than this movie. For me, it was better than Aquaman. Um, it had a lot of Man of Steel references, which is cool. And they tried to make it fun for people that have been diehard DC since they were kids, like you and I. Yeah, because I heard like I heard like their Easter eggs, like they made like an Adam West reference in there. They oh, they make an like Adam West. A... They make a Nicolas Cage as Superman reference. 
Yeah, fighting a giant spider, like the the Kevin Smith joke to- story that he told. They get yeah. a George Clooney in there, even made a guest appearance. Like they 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 did all the Easter eggs, and it was cool to see Michael Keaton. I was entertained by it, but I completely understand. Like realistically, the other problem is like the the news is out there, man. We know that none of this is continuing. So mm-hmm. what? It's kind of going to live in its own little one-off. Yeah, world. like, okay, cool, right. man. It was just, and then at the very end, the post credit scene, just so pointless. They just did something to le- to basically tell you, oh, by the way, we're not done yet. You still have Aquaman 2. Please don't forget about Aquaman 2, Aquaman 2. <laughs> like, it was, it was so funny when we watched it, and I was like, oh, that's right. We do still have yeah. Aquaman 2. Got one left. We got one left. One more to go. I know this feels like the hurrah, but there is another one still. That's <laughs> what was funny to me of like that. So, um, keeping Aquaman two on the shelf, obviously. I mean, it's going to come out eventually. But does this version of the Flash does it work as kind of a nice bow tie to everything that came before? And now you got the clean slate moving forward for James Gunn. For the most part, because they left it in a way of like you have no idea what. If they were making another Flash movie, I'd be very curious what they're going to do, how they would explain the end of it, because the end of it was like, so he's stuck. Now now you've literally created another alternate reality, so what are you going to do? Like, I don't know if I'm going to... I'll probably wait and watch it, because I was never a big DC guy. Uh, I mean, I watched all the DC stuff. I watched the Snyderverse, watched all that, you know, and, you know, I'll probably wait for it to be on streaming, and then I'll check it out then. Um, it's not something I'm going to rush out to this theater and see, cause I'm just kind of, I'm a little superheroed out. All right. So movie watching round two, you also saw the weird Al Yankovic biopic weird, the weird Al Yankovic story. Yes. And that was with, uh, who was it? Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, yes. played weird Daniel Al? Radcliffe. The vibe that I got from it was very Weird Al in the sense that it's kind of a riff on all of the biopics that you see from like the Johnny Cash movie, the the Elvis movie. You, you know, it's kind of a riff on those using Weird Al, but still kind of truthful to Weird Al's life. It, it very much was like, if you've ever seen the Dewey Cox Walk Hard movie, which I love that movie, mm-hmm. um, it was brilliant. It was a parody of a guy who does a parody parodying every other movie like you can't get more meta <laughs> you, you literally can't and it was so self-aware like at first it starts off with you're like okay this is like weird Al's story uh, so let me start this off with the audience of saying like i did not for me this movie did not grab me when i saw the preview i was like whatever they made a movie for roku like Roku made a movie for Weird Al Yankovic. Sure, I'm not that big of a Weird Al guy. I don't really care, blah, blah, blah. Nice guy. Sure, seems great. And then I had a friend who was like, you got to watch this movie. And I was like, really? And he's like, no, I'm serious. And he kept hounding me about it. And I was like, fine. So he went, you know, as anybody that knows me, full moonfall slash mind cage on it. He just, he pounded me into the sand on it. So I watched it. And the first like little bit of it, I was like, okay, whatever. It's it's ridiculous, but in the most like, this is what people think people's movies and biopics of music are like, where people are just geniuses <laughs> and just come through it and then have this fall and then this. But like to the point where in it, like Weird Al in the movie, Daniel Radcliffe playing him, gets very irate 
because as he put it, I wrote a completely original song of my own knowing. And now this guy, Michael Jackson, is going to rip it off with a movie called our song called Beat It. This is absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. And it's going to tank our sales. (laughs) That's really brilliant writing. That's, That's really good. Was Weird Al in the movie? He was. Um, he played a movie exec that told him he was an idiot at first. They even went into like the UHF thing and like all of that. They never and, touched and... on UHF. I don't know why they never oh, okay. talked about UHF, but they had him dating Madonna in it. Um, he at one point said, nothing rhymes with virgin. Of course, I wouldn't do a parody of that, even though he does have like a surgeon. Um, <laughs> and she pushes him to do like a surgeon because it's a brilliant original song. And like he kills Fidel Castro. Um, I'm making it sound ridiculous, but it's very smart, ridiculous. And it was, it was really well done. I was, uh, I was like, Oh, all right. Now I get it. This was good. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. All right, Josh, let's, uh, I'm trying oh, what, what did I see this week? Well, I rewatched the mist, uh, this week. And then I also rewatched, uh, any given Sunday. Who, uh, yeah. How did you like it? <laughs> well, the mist held up great. Good, good. Um, I strongly recommend people to definitely check out the mist. Thomas Jane, Frank Darabont. Darabont was actually pushing to make the mist before he did Shawshank. Oh, and then he ended up doing Shawshank. That exploded. Every you know, everybody's seen Shaw- Shawshank. If you turn on TNT at any given time on any given day, you will probably see Shawshank playing. He was able to kind of parlay the success of Shawshank and the Green Mile into saying, "Let me do this really dark movie, The Mist." And there was like, I it it, it held up really great. I definitely recommend people see it. See the black and white version because that's actually how he originally shot the movie. Black and, like, and you can white pick is... it up on like Blu-ray. It was in black and white, and the effects and like right now the effects are very aged. You know the CGI and things like that of the monsters are very aged because it's old school CGI. But when you watch it in black and white it doesn't feel as dated um and everything held up really well performance was spot on script was spot on like it was a really good film and as an allegory of society and what happens in a crisis it's one of the best ones i've ever seen and the fact that the characters talk about it even like ooh like there's this great scene where they're like man if we keep letting this marcia gay harden's character talk talk this religious nonsense you know, today it's one person, tomorrow it's five, to, you know, the next day it's 10, and suddenly they're going to start sacrificing people. You got you to gotta kill the Marsha Gay Harding character right away. It's, yeah. If there's a weakness in your chain link fence, folks, if the zombie apocalypse or anything ever happens, and you get that one person where you're like, I think they might treat them like a billionaire in a sub and just ixnay that right away. <laughs> cut that off at the neck cut that like, off at the neck <laughs> um but no it really worked and i and and i was happy that it did because it was one of those movies that i'd seen back in the two early 2000s i was like man this is a crushing movie like when you watch it the first time especially and i won't give away the spoilers on that but like when you see it the first time it's it's prepare yourself oh shocker um, ty, ty cares about spoilers on the mist for people yeah i do i do well because to me it's like there's certain movies you never want to spoil for those that haven't seen it i find it hilarious i had a friend tell me the ending of that movie and he was like dude it disturbed me so much and then i watched it and i literally laughed for a second out loud and my friend was like what is wrong with you um and if you know anything you know 
it's my shit. Well, what's weird about it too is I knowing the ending, I watched it just to kind of see, okay, did they really set up the movie for this ending and did it make sense? You know, beyond just being like, you know, a shocking ending to a movie. And they did, didn't you they? Know, it's kind of like and yeah, there was you know, in the way it was set up and how it played out watching it now probably like the third or fourth time i've seen the film and and with a big gap in between the last time i saw it i was like no this this they earned it they earned that ending it didn't feel out of character it didn't you know they earned it you know and and so just prepare yourselves for those that haven't seen it It, it's it's true you got it um you just said it honestly brilliantly before you move on it is the it is a great like it's like the Stanford prison experiment of like, I wholeheartedly believe if something happened, this is how it would go. It's happening yep. right now in its own way. Yep. So yes. In its own way. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, in a longer version of that yeah. storytelling when you like, let's say it's climate change instead of a, you know, what, what the monsters of that movie. It is that to a certain degree. Who is, who is Marjorie Taylor Greene? Boy, I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> that just hit mm-hmm. home for me right now. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I'm rewatching it. Lauren Bobert, Marjorie Taylor Greene. It is oh, happening. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You sorry. see you see comparisons, oh. man. You, that's what I mean. When you watch it in today's political climate, you're like, oh, 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 I see that. I see that. Um, the other film I mentioned that I watched was Any Given Sunday, Oliver Stone's uh, film about, I guess, pro football. And my complaint about that movie still holds true to this day. There's a lot of excess. I mean, I I think it was the director's cut that I watched. So it's like two hours and 44 minutes, uh, you know, and even I remember the original, you know, was much more cut down, I think, to just two hours. But there's a lot of excessive stuff that just didn't need to be in there. Just stuff that like was just random shit, like in the editing and things like that. And also... It works. It's a good movie to watch about like the reality, I guess, of like pro athletes. And I really like the Dennis Quaid character of the aging football guy who's like, and then, you know, it had like good story and it made sense. The performances were all fun and good, but it doesn't hold up for the same reason I didn't like it when I first saw it. I liked it, but I didn't like it. And that's that when it's when they don't get the NFL emblems because obviously the NFL is not going to sponsor this movie because it shows, you know, football players doing cocaine and and it talks about essentially all like, you know, the money is what rules the day. And like, we're willing to let people get hurt just because we want to fill the stands. Like when you have a movie that goes into like that dark side of professional sport, you knew they weren't going to get the NFL to be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Miami dolphins. Yeah, totally. Like the sharks. Yeah, you know, instead it's like the Sharks and the Aztecs. And like, that was my thing that I was like, no one writing this movie thought, like, can we at least get like team names that are approximately sound rea- real? You know, like, like the, the, yeah, the Washington that, Commanders like, are a real team right now. You couldn't have came up with the right. Commanders. Right. You know, like, like, you know, that was the thing that kind of takes you out of the reality of it because they, they just didn't do a good job of setting up that this is like a legitimate league. It felt like you're like, OK, so this is like, you know, the the XFL. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, um, and yeah, it didn't it didn't hold it, man. I played football. Uh, a lot of sports critics renownedly like hold this up as one of the better football movies. Um, mm-hmm. I like you think it is overrated. 
there's some weird dynamics with Al Pacino's character that I didn't care about or need to see. Um, mm-hmm. It was a movie where they tried, they had two main characters and they really ended up having like three in it. And like, yep. you didn't need to see Al Pacino's depression hooker face. Like whatever that was, was just dumb. Yeah. Um, yep. And then you throw in like this major league phase of another owner and then you have the Dennis Quaid and the player phase with Willie Beeman. And like, yeah. if they would have just stuck with the battle between ownership, the coach, and then the players and their outside life, I think you could have mm-hmm. done it better. But it's also, look, man, I'm just going to say it. Oliver Stone is about as close to Quentin Tarantino as you're going to get as far as I don't think anybody's looking at Oliver Stone and telling him he's not doing, he's not iconic or not doing a great job. Yeah. And I think Oliver yeah. Stone gets a little too Oliver Stoney on it. And it was like, dude, Oliver, this isn't JFK, man. You're making a movie about football. Yeah. You know what it was to me? It was like, like JFK, he did a lot of edits and used, you know, old footage and different camera texts. And, and, and same thing with like natural born killers. When you look at the edit and like how they put it all together, you're like, this is incredible. But then when I, but, 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 but he takes that same technique and kind of dumps it into any given Sunday. And you're like, I don't think it needed that much hyperkinetic editing. And like, I get it in the game because it kind of like, you know, the game's hyperkinetic and all that. But like, then like outside of it, it's like, we're going to cut to these storm clouds and then we're going to cut over here to these birds. And then we're going to cut over here to this thing. And, you know, it's just kind of like, you didn't need all that. It felt like Oliver Stone made his attempt at a football movie right after watching Armageddon. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm looking at his filmography right now. Man, he is all over the place. I'm going to be honest with you. He uh, <laughs> he did the sequel to Wall Street. I forgot that existed. Mm-hmm. He did yep. Savages, yep. which yeah, which I liked actually. I thought Savages was yeah, kind of Savages funny. was entertaining. Um, w never saw it. Forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. World mm-hmm. Trade Center. I'm good. Uh, never saw that. Never yeah. did either. Alexander, which I've heard recently, which makes me want to watch it. There's three definitive versions of the movie Alexander. I didn't know that. And one of mm-hmm. them is supposed mm-hmm. to actually be pretty decent. The one that's like reworked yeah. or something else. God, he did U-turned. Yeah. And and to me, it's like I liked Natural Born Killers and I liked U-turn as just like a cheesy kind of like B movie Oliver Stone doing like a B movie. Right? Talk and, radio, like oh, talk radio is a great film that he did. Yeah, um, you know, like no Oliver is like I'll never question Oliver's ability as a director. I just feel like with any given Sunday, there was just so much he threw at the wall that didn't need to be there. I don't know what he was. The subplots were more interesting than the main plot, and but the subplots didn't need to be there. I think I think though I think we will always struggle with a realistic good sports movie. Like especially especially NFL related because the NFL is like the Scientology of like they have too much power and they're all about image. And I just don't know if you can make it realistic. I think the closest you'll come probably is Miracle, a conversation, how you melded that team. Like there's nothing that felt over the top about that one. It truly like no, that, but that's a recanting of a real story. 
Um, yeah, like Rudy, Rudy works. It's very schmaltzy. If you look into the past of Rudy, it is nothing like the real story other than oh. he, he got in the game and got a sack. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there was a lot of uh, add-ons in that. Like, I, you know, there's certain good sports film. Like, you know, the original White Men Can't Jump was a good fun. Do remember the Titans movie. is like, a great movie? Although, yeah, fun fact: they interviewed people from that movie, and they were like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, man, our games were not that difficult. Like, they wiped the floor <laughs> with everybody because shocker, yeah. they could. Like, it was <laughs> it, it was pretty funny. So, yeah, yeah, you know, like that. I think I think to me the guy i think it's ron shelton is the guy who did like bull durham and like white men camp jump and it, like he to me is the guy who i trust making sports movies yeah you know in that era you know because it's like he he had a lot of like even tin cup was a fun well-made movie i love tin you know, cup. About sports but i think you're right though it's hard to do football it's really hard to do football all right, we'll finish off, and as we always finish off, we'll kick, kick into a little bit of the uh, good and bad reviews on RottenTomatoes.com, and then we'll get into a little news of the weird, and we'll finish yes. this, uh, this party off. I figured with the good and bad reviews, I kind of wanted to take a step backwards in time and look at a classic movie's good and bad reviews okay, just to see what it was like and what they were talking about in that era. And speaking of step back, stepping back in time, I picked out Back to the Future. Nice. Start, <laughs> see. start with the good. Start with the good? Let's get the goods out, because I feel like those will be easy. All right. Well, it's a 97% yes. on Rotten Tomatoes yes. in the goods. So, As so we should. have plenty. As it yes. should. We have plenty of awesome reviews for Back to the Future to go through. Uh, right off the top, we'll go Mark Monahan, the Daily Telegraph top critic. Uh, full His view is five out of five. He says, Back to the Future, this fusion of sci-fi, action, romance, and comedy could have been a dreadful mess were it not for writer-director Robert Zemeckis and co-writer Bob Gale's refusal to let a loose line or idea escape their pens. Can I just say I'm jealous of thinking about being able to watch this movie for the first time. That 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 would uh, that'd be amazing to be able to watch these classics for the first time ever again. Ooh, Robbie Collin, News of the World, top critic. Ready for this positive review? Okay. This film is capitalized. Everything capitalized. Ready? This film is wasted on the kids. Does he mean like if you take your like as a kids movie? Was it marketed as a kids movie? I guess I think it might have been back then. Okay, Sigmund Freud would have loved Back <laughs> to the Future. Speaking of Josh Larson of Larson on Film, oh egomaniac, yeah. Um, <laughs> Thompson, speaking of Leah Thompson, Thompson's funny carnal performance forces us all to face an ugly truth. Once our moms. Might have been prowling teens too. Oh, okay. He boy, he could have went. There was a direction that was going to go where I was like, no, he's not doing it. He's not. He's not going <laughs> to drop the Freud hint here. But nope. He went. Uh, he went the Tom Segura joke route. Oh yeah, I like Adam Smith, the Empire Magazine. To put it bluntly, if you don't like Back to the Future, it's difficult to believe that you like films at all. That might be the best review we've ever read of any movie ever. Because I, yep. I, I, that is the perfect review. If you don't like this movie, I don't know if I can believe you on any movie after that. 
All right, let's switch over to the bad because this is going to take a little bit to dig through all these. But we will start with Shelia Benson of the Los Angeles Times, a top critic who gave it a big, fat, green bug splat. It's big, cartoonish, and empty with an interesting premise that is underdeveloped and overproduced. Ooh, ooh. Right. Okay, um, underdeveloped huh. and overproduced and empty. And empty. I that's I don't agree with I overproduced, maybe uh, underdeveloped. I don't know. It's a summer movie. Boy, if you think Back to the Future One is overproduced, wait till you get the Back to the Future Part Two. <laughs> you will not or, enjoy it. <laughs> all right. Uh Ken Hankey, Hankey or Hankey, whatever. Uh Mountain Express. Bad review. Too cute, too clever. Too damn smug. Was Back to the Future smug? Uh, no, no, no. Hold on. What was that gentleman's name? Hamkey? Uh, Ken Ken Hankey. From the where? The Mountain Express? Mountain Express, Asheville, North Carolina. That is the first documented sighting of somebody thinking just because something is smart that it's too cute. <laughs> and it is too developed. So he went instantly with they're coming to take our jobs. Like that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> he literally, that oh. dude, he didn't get it. And he just instantly shut her down and was like, it's dumb. <laughs> Love it. Uh, John Hartle of film.com. Top critic. So busy being clever that it trips over its own ingenuity. Yes. Too clever. That's always a thing I too say. Too clever. It's just way too fucking clever. This is you know, too smart too and too well written. What a bunch yeah, of and, that, and that's about it for for reviews that are Man, negative. There, there's would, not many. I would like to take all three critics that we read, three of them, that, especially the ones that noted it was too clever. I'd like to sit them down and I'd like to make them watch Memento. Um <laughs> What else can we make them watch that might be too clever? What'd that come out? 85? 84. 84. Yeah. They're really, that had to have been one of the first like real feeling of like that type of blockbuster. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like clean, crisp, like mm. just that clean, crisp in your face, the score, the way it was filmed, like it doesn't, even when you watch it now, it doesn't have like a, this was made in 1983. It's That's true. Yeah. It doesn't have that vibe. Like, cause it, I mean, it's dated, but it, 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 you know, back to the future is one of those movies that it's always going to be with us. And I think it's what's really interesting to me is I feel like it's gotten this like crazy resurgence recently. where like, everybody's loving it again, or not that they stopped loving it, but like, I hear it referenced so much lately of like back to the future, back to the future, back to the, you know, in social media and things like that. But like, I think it's just going to be one of those movies that lives on and on and on and on. 